All right. So we're we're in a series um, where I'm talking about the temple, and um, I, th- I think that that picture, which is kind of foreboding, is actually kind of a good uh, picture for what I want us to get in t- into today. We have to, we have to be careful anytime we think about the temple to not make it uh, a monument, you know, because our hope is not in the past. I think there's a, a an argument waged against Christians often, you know, a, a crusty old religion and that, you know, we're a, we're a book club, you know, and, and, and all these things where we have practices without purpose and that there's ideas, there's theologies, there, there's philosophies that aren't relevant. And this is what happens when, when we reduce the relevance, the challenge, the struggle, and this act of discipleship that we're actually called to live out is that our faith becomes less and less uh, relevant to a world who desperately needs what the gospel actually promises. And instead, we have a monument to the past. We, we have a remembrance of how things once were, was, you know, and, and we are themselves living this out completely separate, completely divorced from the reality of the world. There's a, a podcast I listened to, 99% Invisible. I don't know if anybody's heard of that one. It's actually an architecture podcast. But they have a line that he says all the time, always read the plaque. And right when I was getting into this podcast, I, I thought, you know, all right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to live one of these things out. And he had this series talking about the Moonlight Towers in, in Austin, Texas. Anybody from Texas know about these? Anybody hear of the Moonlight Towers? It's like a precursor. We got one. We got a precursor to, to streetlights. And it's this, he, he had this wonderful story talking about what these things were like and how they lit up the Austin sky, you know, and, and how there's dancing and parties underneath them and, and how, you know, there was this amazing thing. They actually built them in response to, like, America's first serial killer and, like, everything that was happening here. Amazing storytelling, all this great stuff. And he's like, and if you go to Austin, you can look up where these are and you should go and there's plaques and all this stuff. And as it happened, I had a trip to Austin for work. And I thought, well, this is just great. I'm going to go have the time of my life. I'm going to go look at these moonlight towers, and it's going to be amazing. And I went, and I, I, I've got a picture. This isn't actually the picture I took of, uh, of a moonlight tower. You see how that's like steel on concrete? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been so disappointed in my life. <laughs> so I had all this story, all this lore, all of this history, and I went, and it's concrete and steel, and a plaque. <laughs> I, this isn't even my picture. I was so disappointed, I just walked away without taking a picture. I had planned a day around like going around these moonlight towers and just like reveling in the history and the story and like maybe re-listening to the podcast as I went around. Nothing good. Nothing good. And so if you are a fan of moonlight towers, I apologize that, that it did not hold the same lore to me. You know, but, but it's this idea that monuments are dead right? Monuments are dead. And if we can think of the temple in that way, that this, if we have this as a monument, it's dead to us. But the temple, it was something, it is something, I want to say that at least the heart of it, it will be something as well. It's not metaphor or theory, it was actual real stone and cedar and gold. John 2, we see this, the Jews said to Jesus, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. Wow. Christ was the temple. Now we are the living stones that make it up. I could get into this with other passages of scripture. That's for another week. You know, we are the holy priesthood who serves with this temple. The thing is, it will be the central thing when all things are made new again, a new creation, but not as we expect it to be. 
There's this wonderful bit in Revelation about measuring the new city and new creation. And when you get these measurements in Revelation, it makes a, this perfect cube. That perfect cube, if you look back in, in the original design of the temple, the Holy of Holies was meant to be that perfect cube. So we see, again, that this is the whole thing. But Revelation 21 says this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So what it will be isn't even going to be this structure. There's not a monument. There's not, oh, you remember those great days when you came and you made sacrifices? You remember those great days where the world was broken and the church was the living stones and we were trying our best to be disciples amongst this world? Now, there's going to be this day where we already have this union and these things. The, the Lord is with us in a way that the temple is almost irrelevant. The temple isn't eternal. The hope, the intent, the heart of the temple, though, is have you ever noticed how temporary things can become permanent? This, this is a struggle I've had at work. We had a uh, garbage disposal that, that broke in my house, and I, I decided I was going to be the handyman and, and fix it. So I ordered a new garbage disposal, and you get the, the pipes underneath. you got to cut them off, clean them off, do all this sort of stuff. And, and I just kind of wanted to, to fix it up to see, like, how it was going to go before I did it for real, you know? And I, I put everything together. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. I the intake, outtake, blah, blah, blah. Dishwasher comes into it. I got it in. And then I turn on the water, and you know what? It, it worked. <laughs> and so I said, huh, how about that? I didn't put any putty. I didn't put any sealant stuff, and it's holding. So I just said, you know what? Check. I'm, you know, I'm good. And so I walked away, and, you know, months went by, and everything was fine. Until one day, a smell came out of our kitchen, and it was like every remnant of every meal had been fermenting <laughs> and waiting to come back and take revenge on the living. And the, the wood underneath had just like decomposed with this nasty, and Leah looked at this and she's like, I thought you fixed that. <laughs> and I said, I thought I did too. See, but the, the temporary fixes that we put in place sometimes have a way of trying to become permanent but they don't really hold the test of time. You know, the, the tabernacle was a temporary dwelling for the Lord before we had the temple. The temple is even still a temporary thing until we have the eternal. So every time that, that we move forward, right, we don't want to look back to what it was before and say, oh, how great that thing was. Remember last week we said that the whole hope of the temple is God's presence with his people. The hope of this whole thing, the reason for the temple, the reason that this thing matters is because God wants to be with his people. We saw it in the garden. We see it with the temple. We see it with Jesus himself, God with us, Emmanuel. And then he leaves and we have the Holy Spirit with us, in us, among us, in an amazing way. And then when all things are made new, we're even closer than before. Everything's made right. The lens I want to use today to talk about the temple is tension. Y'all know I love me some Georgia football. Y'all know that this is the year for Georgia football. But here's the thing. I can't rewatch games. I know there's some sports fans out there who it's like they put on the, 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 the classic and they, I might watch Georgia beat Alabama <laughs> a few more times. I haven't yet, but I'm leaving that window possible. You know, the, the thing is on game day, you know, I'm watching them either live or if I'm on a delay, 
I'm kind of stressed because I know the game's already happened and it could be ruined at any point in time because somebody could call me, send me a text message saying, congratulations. I'm like, no, don't say a thing yet. And, and we often will shut off our phones and stuff during games when we know we're going to watch this in two or three hours because we're creatures of time, right? We are all of us living in a certain time with certain things even when we don't know how to resolve this perfectly, when we have this uh, ability to shift time a little bit and ignore things until we're, we're back there. Revelation 4, day and night they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God himself is eternal. We're creatures of time. The temple is, a, is an artifact of, of time, but God himself is eternal. This perspective, I've, I've talked about this before. There was a book that I stole from my college library. Didn't mean to steal it, but I still have it. Um, the title was as far as I got in reading it, God in the Eternal Present. It's such a good title, and I still haven't read it. <laughs> it's all I needed, though, was the title. But what a wonderful concept of God in the Eternal Present. We don't live in the present. Us as creatures of time, us who are actually only ever possibly in the present, find ourselves often f warring with this very fact that we're looking back at the, at the past thinking, oh, do you remember how great it was? Or we live for tomorrow thinking, I got to be ready. I got to be prepared. I, I don't know what might come. I, I got to make sure that everything's fine. To find people who are actually present in the moment is rare. But I believe that we as Christians are called to be that. You know when you're, you're with kids, but you're not really with your kids. Is it just me? <laughs> and I feel bad because it's like I'm distracted. And they're like, Dad, can we do this? It's like, oh, later, right? I'm living for the, the, the future. I'm, 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 I'm putting the presence that I want to have with them now for some future time when, when maybe there's no other pressures and, and nothing else. And, and when I was preparing the sermon, my kid comes to me. <laughs> hey, Dad, will you do a treasure hunt for us? I was like, later, 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 later. They're like, well, no, dad, please, please, please. And I was like writing these words down. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, yes. Because it, it, it matters to be present, to make yourself accessible. Because this is what we have with the Lord. Do, do, you, do you realize that? We're not talking about tomorrow right now. We're talking about today. We're talking about this moment. As long as it's called today, are we able to be with the Lord? The temple was this amazing time where you could go today and be with the Lord. That was the intent. That you're not waiting for the day of the Lord. You're not looking back on a previous move and saying, oh, it was so great then. The temple is where you could come and be with him here and now. So here is some tension between people of the eternal present and a God who is in the past, in the present, and in the future and yet somehow we come and we make this work. When ground is taken, is it taken? Or do we lose ground? And this is another place of tension. There's been a war, y'all might not know about this, war going on between Canada and Denmark. Do y'all know about this? Since the 1930s. It's, uh, it's one of the, the most brutal wars that people never talk about. It's called the, the Whiskey War. It's over Hans Island. I have a, a picture of Hans Island right there. It's barren, uninhabited, 0.5 square miles. In 1984, Canada provoked Denmark by planting its flag on the island and leaving a bottle of Canadian whiskey. 
The Danish minister of Greenland Affairs came to the island himself that same year with a Danish flag and a bottle of schnapps and a letter saying threateningly, welcome to the Danish island. <laughs> this is a joke, of course. It is called the Whiskey War. I have a picture of the, the flags and everything here as well. This is the, the, the brutal war between Canada and Denmark. The, the thing is, there's tension between the, 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 the things we put before us in this world. We live in a world where there is troubles, where injustice seems to profit people, where the wicked seem to thrive, where people relapse into addiction. But let's talk about the kingdom. In the kingdom, when sin is forgiven, it is now forgiven. In the kingdom, when you've been set free, you've been set free indeed. We have this unfortunate habit that, that we look back in nostalgia, revisit the past. Lot's wife is one of the most convicting stories to me. You know, she was saved miraculously by supernatural visit from God from a city destined for destruction. And on her way out, she just had to look back, just, just to remember, just, just to think about the, the times, the memories, the friends, you know, whatever it might have been. Could have been good memories, you know, but she just couldn't move on because, you know, yes, there, there's something there that pulls us back. The Israelites, freed from slavery, going through the barren desert, thinking, you know, at least we had onions. At least, at least we knew that goodness, and we were, we were close to it. The first temple that was built up was destroyed God preserved his people and he sent a remnant back as prophesied. He protected them, guided them as they built a new temple. And people saw it and cried saying, the last one was bigger and better. There's more gold in it before. Th this one's just, just not the same. Christ was in the grave and this one might be a little bit snarky to include, but he was already resurrected and an angel asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? We, we know some goodness and, and then it's like we, we just hold on to that, thinking that that's, that's what we need to get back to. You know, the childhood memories you have of, of Disney World, you know, or, or, or what it was like in my time in the 50s, you know, and I wasn't from the 50s. But you know what I'm saying? We, we look back on these, these idealized times and we think we need to get back to that. And we don't recognize that God is in the eternal present doing something that matters to me, you, and the kids down the street in a way that if we are only looking back, we will miss out on what the Lord is doing. This world has troubles. There's tension in this world. And if we're going to be any use to this world, if we're going to be any good to the kingdom of God, we need to meet with him in the present and accept this and, and move forward with him as he moves. So how is the temple a place of tension? This is a, a big idea that I, I want you to hold on to. God is not predictable, but he is faithful. I think we conflate these two things. We think if he's faithful, I know what he's going to be doing. He's, he's always this thing. He, we can always go here, and it, it's, it's exactly this thing. God is not predictable, but he is faithful. It, it reminds me of, of that, that uh, line from, from Narnia, right? Whenever they say, is, 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 he, is he safe? Safe? He's not safe, but he's good, right? What's going to happen when you come close to the Lord? Anything could happen. Anything could happen. In a time of worship, what could happen? Anything could happen. I, I, I believe it. I really do believe it. That the, 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 the ceiling could split open and angels could, could ascend and, and descend. You know, I, I believe that we could be struck down by the power of God and healed. 
I believe that we could be fully convicted of our sins here and that we are reduced to tears. And it would all make sense because we would get a glimpse of who he is. Come close, we always say, right? Awaken us. We want to be close to you, Lord. Psalm 24, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. I'm amazed at this passage of scripture, which I feel like we read over quickly because it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Everybody knows about Moses, maybe, yes. Moses was the guy who in the Old Testament, you know, freed the the slaves from Egypt. And he had this big thing, you know, with all the, the plagues and all that stuff. And we see him as this mighty man of God who spoke and led and God called him and led him and gave him the words and, and power and all the sorts of stuff. And then there's these two verses and I didn't even put them up here as a slide. But they're disconcerting verses. This is Exodus 4. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, Israel's my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. Right before the, the 10th plague. And then the next verse at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. <laughs> you know this is in your Bibles? But Zipporah, his wife, took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. Whoa! <laughs> I've got theological whiplash. Like, you just called Moses to go and do something with his firstborn son, and then Moses himself convicted and led before this before the lord not yet holy not yet faithful himself and and what was the lord going to say well you know it's moses i'm going to give him a pass <laughs> you know well i just called him to do something i, I guess we're not going to worry about that stuff i bet there's more to this conversation than what we saw where moses was led and convicted and had been unfaithful where he knew things was told things and and this wasn't just out of the blue not going to get into all that today <laughs> Just to say, when we say come close to the Lord, are we ready? Do we know who we're coming close to? It's a place of tension to come into the presence of God. The temple is a place of tension. Holy fear is appropriate. It's the ground between this world and the next. It's the meeting place between the holy and the unholy. It's where prostitutes and tax collectors and priests and Jews and Gentiles and men and women come as close as they can give their offerings and their sacrifices. Come close is the invitation. Deal with, your, with deal with yourself and deal with the creator at the same time. It's that meeting place. It's, it's a wonderful, tangible, incalculably valuable thing to come close to the Lord that can't be taken lightly. And that's why it's a place of tension. The vineyard we talk about, the radical middle, And I talk about how being a Christian is being welcomed into the wrestling match that is Israel, the God strugglers. And reading scripture, like I just read to you, is often exploration that I got to wrestle with this. I got to try to understand how this is the Lord. I got to understand where the Lord's goodness and mercy are being displayed here. But here's the thing right now. The temple's not standing. Y'all know that, right? The temple is not standing right now. Hear this. Some things are resolved. I'm talking about times of tension, but some things in this world are now resolved. We can't go back to the former things. 
to try to make it sound like there's still a place of tension is blind, ignorant, and disrespectful. Should we go back to a time of, of slavery? No. <laughs> We've resolved this. The Bible actually walks you through a whole exploration of, of brokenness of man doing this and then seeing the freedom that he's called us to as the kingdom of God gets more and re- more revealed. Should we go back to a time of sacrifice? No. We have a once for all sacrifice. Should we go back to a time where, where women were property? No. Because we see a whole advance as the kingdom of God comes and is revealed. It's, a, it's amazing that some things have been resolved and we no longer have to ask these questions. Hebrews 10.26 says it this way, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. This is one of those scriptures, again, that we often put it that that's hard and we're gonna come back to this later. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, who's insulted the Spirit of grace? Should we say, y'all need to get circumcised? No. This is revealed. We, we, we understand who Christ is. When these things are resolved by the kingdom of God coming, if you try to make this about your works, about your holiness, and not the grace of God, we're going back to the former things. This is not an easy passage, and I hope y'all can track with me on this. We've tried to make static the living, breathing word of God, but we've shifted. We need a living God. This isn't so much a statement about the Bible. It's the nature of language and how words change over time. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's expected that God continues to speak. Yes, through the written word of God, but how much more so through the Holy Spirit and both at the same time. There's some tension here. A move of God becomes codified and births a denomination. We put up rules and methods of practices trying to keep that flame arise. And and then we we rinse and repeat that for generations and we end up with all these splits where people are like, oh, but do you remember how it was? When we sang the song, this is what happened. When we did things in this way, we saw God show up and we think, well, that's what we just got to keep doing. I, I, I had a revelation once Let's keep repeating those same words and maybe if, it, if it's like a magical incantation, we can make something happen in the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord is alive and active. Thank God for it. Because this world doesn't look like it did 20 years ago. It doesn't look like it did 10 years ago. I'd say it doesn't look like it did five years ago. Thank God that the word of God is both eternal that he was and is and is to come. And he is with us now in the eternal present, making himself known, speaking to his people. I love to talk about women in ministry because we embrace women in ministry. We celebrate this. In the garden, we had a beautiful, wonderful relationship between man and woman and God himself. Then the fall came and it broke all of that. And as a part of that curse, as a part of the nature of fallen society, hierarchy was established with man ruling over woman. Then we see later in Joel that the spirit of God is poured out on all flesh, male and female. Later still, we realize that when the kingdom of God's in full, there's not male nor female distinctions. 
And church, the question before us is, do we want to resemble the fall or the coming of the kingdom of God? If we understand what things will look like whenever the kingdom of God is in its full, if we have the ability to say, I celebrate that, I recognize that, Lord, more of that, and we pray into that, we lean into that, do we want to look like that or like the fall? This is where this theology comes from, where it's birthed. Many of us, I would say, still want, like the disciples, a Christ who comes with a sword, who has a physical boundary in this world, who sits on a throne holding court. And as much as Christ said, no, 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 not like that, we still think, yeah, I, I know, I know. But maybe, <laughs> maybe, Lord, you could just take a sword once, maybe, maybe twice, maybe, maybe just just a little bit of smiting of, of the enemies right, right now, please, you know, like, like maybe just a little bit of, of this. God wants to be with his people, to provide a way to be around them, to help them, to watch over them, to allow them to come close. From the temple to Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. The temple that Christ said would be destroyed and rebuilt after three days, his time in the grave. Then scripture tells us that the spirit in us and among us, God with us here today. We can't go backwards because it's already been accomplished. That's the beauty of this. Not everything's intention. Some things have been resolved. God's grace has been made known to us. Y'all know Mario? Yes, that, that Mario. It's a me, Mario. I'm, I'm an old school gamer. Um, at least I like to think that it, it is. But th this, this was like some, this wasn't even my first system, so I'll tell you that. But, but I, I definitely spent probably weeks of my life <laughs> if I added it all together. Maybe months? I, I don't know. It, it's, I spent a lot of time in, in this game. And the thing is, with, with the, these games that you used to have, it, there was a funny little quirk of them, right? You move to the right always, and you can't go backwards. Right? The side-scroller games. You, once you cross a certain threshold, that was it. You've already progressed past this point. And it was so frustrating as a kid because it's like, oh, I forgot that mushroom. Like, I know where it was, and like, I was trying to go so fast, and you couldn't get there. But this is us in, in time. Church, whether we want to or not, we move forward. We move forward. We can't go back, and we shouldn't go back. What is the Lord saying here today and now? This doesn't dismiss what has happened. This embraces it. Do you understand that? This isn't saying, oh, that was wicked and evil. Nor is it saying, oh, well, we can't do anything now. We're just going to look for the future. It's God in the eternal present today with his spirit poured out on us, making himself known, revealing his heart, his intent, his purposes, using us, church, because the world needs us and the gospel here today as it always has. We can't go back to sacrifice, to penance, to circumcision, to ritual cleansing around menstruation. Thank God. <laughs> the temple was, and in its place there remains, a place of tension, but not for the reasons we may think. His grace is assured. His presence is assured. His power and glory have been made known. We have tensions about manifestations. We have the assurance of grace. We have tension about healing. We have the assurance of forgiveness. We have tension about understanding scripture since we see through a mirror darkly. We have the assurance of his love. We have tension about the gifts. 
we have the assurance of salvation. We have tension between the now and the not yet, about expressing the truth in love, about grace and justice being expressed simultaneously, such as Anne was saying. But his sheep know his voice. He has called us to be friends, and he sent another, the advocate, the helper, so that it's better for us that he does go. We have tension about being a people not of this world but of the kingdom of God. But he has shown us a more perfect way, given us the words of life. Church, here's what I want you to hear. Don't work for the things that have already been resolved. Don't sweat and worry and be anxious about the things that are already resolved. That's hard to do. (laughs) But often that's where we cycle ourselves thinking, oh my goodness, I still need to work this out. Oh my goodness, you know, like, like all these things. Well, what about grace? All these things. The Lord has accomplished things for you, for us. May we celebrate those things and embrace them. Often that, that's the, the, the gap between us and what the Lord has done is the fact that, that we're peeling back. We're like, oh, can I really trust it? Do I really know that it's that good? But the stuff in tension, the stuff still being worked out, that's the job of disciples. That's the role of the church here today, to understand scripture better, to understand how the gifts are in operation, to to practice the truth and love that the grace and justice are somehow both enacted at the same time. That's what we do. That's the work of the church. That is not yet resolved. It's a place of tension, and it's hard. It's hard work. Anybody who tells you that it's simple, I don't think they've read the Bible. (laughs) I don't think that they've walked with the Holy Spirit very far or they haven't walked with people very far or they don't have the heart of God for his creation as he's revealed. Don't sweat the stuff that's resolved but the stuff in tension. Let's work it out like our salvation in fear and trembling. This whole thing is really an expository kind of he is the vine and we are the branches. The vine is there. It's done what it does. It breathes life. We are the branches. We manifest that. We, we become the hands and feet. We become the voice sometimes. But we, we realize how this is going to affect the world that we're around. Because church, we have work to do. We have work to do. This world needs us to do our work. But we can't try and do what Christ has already accomplished. You are nobody's salvation. You are nobody's salvation. That is accomplished by Christ. That is resolved as a once-for-all sacrifice. Your penance for your sins will not absolve you (laughs) of your guilt that you've done. And we still think, oh, I don't feel bad enough. I wish, you know, and and we, we cycle just punishing ourselves, thinking, oh, but it was really bad, God. Don't let me off the hook yet. Do we understand grace? Do we embrace grace? Or do we try to accomplish again for ourselves what Christ has already done? We're not the salvation of the world. We are not the judge of all. We are not the prince of peace, but we are witnesses. We are ambassadors. We answer to the king. I think there was a lot in this that might actually be hard for us to understand as as a church. I, I, I... it's one of those things where I want you to, to say, please pay attention to what was said and not what was not said. But I think there's so much gold here for us as a, as a church. This is my, my, my daughter who's actually been at the beach. She texted me. I don't know if she was just trying to get on my good side, but she's like, Dad, what are you preaching on tomorrow? 
<laughs> and I, I sent her like a little summation. I, I said, you know, it's about things that are intention and things that are resolved. And, and she goes, oh, what's that have to do with Jesus? <laughs> and so I sent her a whole once for all sacrifice, you know, that some things are resolved, but you know, there's still things that we are working out, you know, such as how the gifts work and how, how we see that the, the healing being displayed. She goes, that seems like a lot. <laughs> I agree with my daughter. I think that there might be a lot here. But that's actually the joy that we have too, right? Um, I don't see, I don't know how I lost Jessica. Jessica's still here, right, for, for worship? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if we can have some worship, I, I want to, if, if anything else, hear that anything can happen when we come to the Lord's presence. Did, do you really believe that? Do you believe that, that things have been resolved, that we can come with confidence to the throne of Christ, yet with fear and trembling? Do you, do you see how things are accomplished and yet there is still a place of tension? Do you see where, where we come just saying, God, you are faithful, but you are not predictable. And I think every time we try to make him predictable, every time we try to make this transactional instead of relational, we're not interacting with the living God. It's a, it's a caricature. It, it's, it's a shadow of who he is. It's, it's a remembrance of words spoken. It, it, it's not an engagement with the will and intent of the Lord here today. So as we worship here, before we even do ministry, would you go into this time of, of worship just saying, Lord, whatever, whatever. And I, I challenge you too to be here present in the moment. We, we, have, we have time. <laughs> you don't have to worry about when the kids are released. You don't, hopefully you're not so hungry yet that you, you can't control this. We'll, we'll beat at least some of the Baptists to the best restaurants. It's okay. <laughs> but here in this moment, here and now, right? Be present. Be present. Not thinking about what might have been or what might be in the future. Here, now, in this moment, Lord, what would you say? What would you do? I give you this moment. I give you myself. So Lord, would you come and speak as your servants listen? As we engage with you, choosing your ways over ours. You are the God of the eternal present. We join with the, the cries of the saints. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and that we mere creations can stand before you in this moment assured because of the blood of Christ and say more of you Father we need you and your kingdom to come your rule and reign here and now